rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. What's up? My name is Tara Devlin. This is Unapologetic Liberal Talk on the right side of history, decency, dignity, democracy, and humanity. And I don't know, I have that. I built that. We'll see. Uh, you see that upper third? says Tara Bust with Tara Devlin, unapologetic liberal talk. It might be too much. I don't know. Whatever. Um, this is unapologetic liberal talk, like I said. Tonight is going to, I can't wait, frankly. Um, in about 25 minutes, we will be reaching out to Tom Hartman. He's going to come on the show to discuss his new book. Which it was, it was a book that anybody who watches the show knows that um, one of my passions is universal health care. I want to see this country before I step off this mortal coil. I'd like to do what I can to bring our country into um, into line in line with the rest of the world and um, offer, well, guarantee health care as a right of citizenship rather than a privilege of wealth. And so Tom Hartman's new book, The Hidden History of American Health Care, is an, just as the last book that we discussed when Tom Hartman was on the show, the, the Hidden History of American Oligarchy. These are incredibly important books i in my opinion they should be taught in every high school class it should be a course but maybe one day if 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 we get back on track or on track to begin with so i'm looking forward to that and it's going to be great because i really do believe that um health i guess we'll i'll save the healthcare conversation for when tom comes on the show but in general, I you guys know I believe that healthcare is one of those. Um, it's not just a human right, but it's also a patriotic imperative, and we'll we'll talk about that with Tom when he calls in. But in the meantime, yeah, yeah, I see that I see Mark, our millennial correspondent, in the chat room. If you're on any other channel, come on over to YouTube.com/slash C for channel/slash Tarabuster to join the conversation with Mark. Our millennial correspondent and Jim, of course. Thank you, Jim, so much for your super chat. As always, Jim steps right up and puts the cover charge on the table. I really appreciate it. And we don't have any new patrons to thank for for the show today, but what we have all the rest of the patrons, everyone together, we make the show happen. This is a community effort. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you tell? We don't have big billionaire benefactors like Ben Shapiro. I was just watching Ben Shapiro. I know, right? That's what I'm telling you. Become a patron. Because at least maybe, I don't know. I watch Ben Shapiro so you don't have to. Oh my God. Unreal. That what was disturbing me watching him and listening to him was that he's he's got a large platform i mean that's what she said but uh, he's he he has a lot of people listening to him i don't understand why i really don't he's a horrible person through and through i don't know as i was watching it uh watching the clip i was thinking about this person's mother 
what she must be feeling watching her son, unless she's a moron too, but watching her son be such a, a sociopath, adding to nothing, adding to the pain and discord and division on earth. I do not get it, you know? And one thing that's funny, though, actually, this is what he's, here's, this was, we'll play a, uh, let me play this clip that I grabbed, because, I don't know, if I have to watch it, I guess you'll, you'll have to join me. <laughs> I ain't watching this shit by myself. Where's my e-cam? Hold on. And the other thing, I'm hoping that when Tom Hartman comes on, we, we don't have any technical mess-ups. We'll see. That'll be good, right? Here's Ben Shapiro. Hold on. Here we go. Mr. Newsom found success not because of what makes California different, but because of how it's like everywhere else. He dominated in California's heavily populated Democratic cities, the key to victory in a state where his party outnumbers Republicans by 5 million voters. By the way, this should be a reminder. If you're a Republican in California, things are going to get worse, not better. I've been saying this since I left. Right? Follow me. Get out while the getting is good. Move to a purple state. Turn that state red. California is a lost cause. I know there are a bunch of people who are hanging on over there. I was one of them until a year ago. I, I'm much happier now that I have left the state. The state is, again, in an inexorable state of decline. The voters there are not interested in turning away from the path that they are, are now what? trotting. They're not turning away from higher taxes. They're not turning away from more regulation. They're not turning away from, from terrible records on, on crime and horrible records on education. They're not turning away from any of that stuff. They're embracing it. They're embracing the suck. So get out while the getting is good. There's plenty of opportunity in other states. So that is the takeaway from the California election is that the continued sorting effect is going to continue and that we are going to be a country where the red states become redder and the blue states become bluer and the purple states will either shift over into red or blue and then follow that path inevitably. As Virginia has, right? Virginia went from purple to blue, and now it seems like it's going to continue moving blue. Seems to be the trend over in Virginia. But on the other okay, hand, he's, Ohio he's went from purple. unpacking the the California recall election that these Republicans. This is their new tactic, of course, because they have nothing except to seize power illegitimately. While we're trying to combat a pandemic and well, and the income disparity and upward immobility that has the United States the least upwardly mobile of all of the Western democracies, but the Republicans, they don't want to concentrate on actual problems. They want to continually make new problems and distract us all with um, random elections constantly because until they win. You know, that's why when I was a kid, I used to, whatever, when I would play play a game by myself, I would play it until I, I would win. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I didn't like, I was like rigging it for myself. But I was a child. What did I know? Well, I just wanted to win. You know? And that's what, it, that's what they are. They are infants. Haven't I been saying this all along that they lack the maturity to function in a free democratic society? Nothing speaks volumes like, like everything that they do is an example of that. They cannot handle the consequences of an election unless they win despite receiving fewer votes. Unless they get to seize power despite receiving fewer votes, then it's, they, they don't work at 
their message, let's say, or may, well, I guess they do do their message because they have a lot of propaganda outlets, but they don't work at actual democracy. They're not going out there knocking on doors or whatnot. They're coming up with ways to ensure that democracy doesn't prevail. That's That's the motivation. So while we're in the middle of a deadly pandemic that's killed one in 500 Americans. This is an absolute disgrace. They're, they, they, they got nothing better to do except pull the, their antics. Well, at least it gave Caitlyn Jenner another excuse to go on Fox News, right? Because that's what it's all about. Building their brands, building their following, until... Uh, while the rest of us do the business of government. I'm just so goddamn sick of them. And here, let's he, let's continue with this uh, Ben Shapiro clip just for a second. It only goes on for another, how long, minute. But he gets to the point. Hold it's red on. and seems like it is going to get more red over time. Florida moved from purple to red and seems like it's getting more red over time. But uh, just an aside, who who... I mean, I know I don't sound like a chorus of angels or anything, but who listens to this child? Yeah, he's 37 years old. He's obviously not a child, but he seems, he feels to me like a child. It's like a, a bratty kid who read Ayn Rand at a critical point in, the, in, in his development unfortunately for him and the rest of us. But a lot of children who, which is what I, you know, when I hear that somebody's um, an acolyte of Ayn Rand, it immediately reminds me of a, of a adolescent boy. Because that's who, that's who likes Ayn Rand. That's who can absorb Ayn Rand. You know what I mean? Like, they think that... that it speaks to the um, it speaks to the prepubescent young uh, male mind. Yeah, I don't need anybody. I'm I'll do it myself. I'm I, I'm all I'm the best. I I'm gonna shrug. If you don't leave me alone, I'll shrug. Well, shrug, shrug off already. Go Galt! I, 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 they keep threatening to go Galt. Hold on, this stupid thing is so loud, right? Let me know if that's loud. Guys on the chat, because you know that the chat room are also the producers of the show. They have to be. Because this is all we got. This is it, kids. It's me. It's the cats. It's you. We don't have um, the Mercer family. So he go all right. He goes on. Morning's um, going to move from blue to deep blue to what? like dark night Who blue. Who listens to this? On That's purpose. what's going to happen in the country. And the predictable result of that is it going says, to be oh, further polarization honey, at the federal level. Shush, Ben Shapiro's so on, on, on the national level. Why should we care about California? Because what? what it actually presages is not just politics in California. What it presages is a question: whether we actually do want to remain part of the same body politic. If we do want to remain part of the same body politic, we're going to have to construct a system of a federal governance in which Texas can be Texas and California demon can be California. demon-looking face, However, too. California What's has to let Texas be Texas. Look? And herein lies the rub. 
because the federal government oh has no God. interest when run by Democrats in allowing Texas to be Texas. They would like Texas allowing to be California. Allowing Texas to be Texas. Case, no, honey, we want the Constitution of the United States to prevail in all the states because that's what it's there for. You want an article of confederation, which is something that we tried and found and swiftly found that it wasn't sufficient enough to run a functioning democratic republic, that there needed to be a stronger federal presence. Otherwise, every state is just doing their own thing. And they they don't want to participate. Oh, well, they don't. They want to, uh, once again, want all the benefits of civilization, but none of the responsibilities we have to each other. So he's saying, let Texas be Texas, because in their American Taliban brains, whatever is left of it, is that they think that the Constitution is just a goddamn piece of paper. It's getting in the way. They don't like it. You know what I mean? They just don't, they don't, for all their made-in-China pocket constitutions that they like to wave around do you think they've ever opened it up do you, do you think they've ever took taken a class in the constitution they you think they're informed these are assholes who are taking horse horse deworming pills instead of goddamn vaccine that four billion human beings have already taken without incident they'd rather guzzle some horse shit that they that they stumbled upon on 4chan they saw a meme it's it's beyond pathological at this point so he's like basically what ben shapiro is saying is that um the that maybe the south should secede and i'm i'm all for it go for it go the accept there are normal, decent people in those states. In fact, there are more normal people than there are morons. And we know that. Because the, the, the Republicans are a minority ideology. They re- not only receive fewer votes, they represent fewer people. And whatever they're selling, people don't want to buy. The majority doesn't want so he's saying, let Texas be Texas. He wants, that means, let Texas wipe its ass with the Constitution as it's doing right now. Wiping its ass with 50 years of precedence, with freedom. The freedom to have autonomy over your body. What, what is more fundamental to freedom than that? But, of course, it's women. Little bitches, they shouldn't open their legs. That's what they think. And this is what it's all about. Let Texas be Texas. Let Texas be Texas. Well, how about Texas get with the Constitution? And if they don't like it, I, I, I don't know. Uh, play Dave on the chat saying, I'm telling you, Tara, it's a bad idea. Are you talking about secession? Seceding or splitting this country in two? I don't know. I do not know. I actually grabbed this book off the shelf that um, this is a few years old by Chuck Thompson. Better off without him. Remember this book? 
It's all about a. It's well, the subtitle is a northerner, a northern manifesto for southern secession. So he writes. Well, whatever. I thought there was a, a nice blurb in the back to sum it up, but you get the point. I don't know. Um, I don't know how much we, I mean, we can have a conversation about this. I would love to be talked off the ledge, frankly, about it, because I don't see how we can survive with, um, these goddamn termites constantly gnawing at all the pillars of democracy. Constantly. It never stops. So... And that's what they're talking about, too. It's not me saying this. They're saying this. They want us to see. They want a civil war. We know that. They're, they're, it's all over the, their um, social media platforms that they've been exiled to since decent society won't have them. Because they're, what they're you're filthy lies. What you up with is a fairly ugly split between states that wish to be left alone and states that wish to run their business. Who wishes to be left alone? States that wish to be left alone. They're t he's talking about, um, obviously, he's talking about Texas states that wish to be left alone. Well, I, I would love to leave you alone. Stop taking my blue state dollars. Please, just fucking leave. Exactly. Jim on the chat, just leave already. Rapture would be better. Exactly. Rapture the hell out of here already. But leave us alone well don't take my blue state dollars to prop up your failing state that's like 50th in uh, in education 50th i mean it's like all of the statistics the numbers they those are people it means suffering more suffering more poverty disparity death ignorance Hmm. Mark says, relatable impulse, Tara, but we should love them enough to want to help them quality of life-wise, help them quality of life-wise more than I think, and they, <laughs> and they destroy the planet. I'm not sure if I'm reading that correctly, but I'm getting the gist of your, your comment. Top level of the federal government. I think this is why you're hearing so much talk these days about a quote-unquote civil war or talk about secession or talk about the country breaking apart. Well, well, you're the ones talking about it. It's the same thing they do in regard to to a, the election. Oh, there's so much, quite, there's so many questions about the election. We're hearing so much, um, it, people, people are insecure about the voting. Where, where are they getting this from? It's coming from your propaganda outlets. It's like a circle jerk of propaganda. People are hearing it. People, some people say, some say this, some say that. I mean, they're, it, it's, they're children. And they lack the fundamental maturity. It's time to put them in their place. What do you do with children if they're out of control? You, you correct them. You, I mean, sometimes you make it, you put them in timeout, you make them just calm down, right? But you don't give them power. <laughs> you don't give them power to dictate what the adults are doing. 
let me see. Uh, so Mark writes, sorry, I meant help them quality of life wise more than you were talking about and that their pollution would kill us all. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Play Dave says, because what's going to happen is the North will prove to be more profitable and they, the South, will try to invade and take over. You might be right. It's sort of like The Handmaid's Tale. If, if you watch The Handmaid's Tale, the, the, you know, it's, a fa it's fake, of course. It's a chillingly possible, though. But they, one of the things that I, you know, I've, that stood out the fact is that they the people of gilead or the government of gilead other governments had to i mean of course this is just fantasy and it's fiction but they had to um, deal with gilead because of the fact that they had a large army thanks and the nuclear arsenal i should say and that's obviously the united states turned into Gilead in this fictional dystopian no uh, show and novel. But um, that would be a problem. Split, you would, we give the, it's like giving the Taliban a bunch of armed nuclear warheads. Man, th these are, th these people are cray cray. It's, it's not a debate anymore. <laughs> they're, they're unfit. I've been saying it for years. Republicans are unfit to hold leadership positions in a modern nation. And I sat back. I say, prove me wrong. Please. I want to be proven wrong. I want to see, I want to see this. I want to see that the, I want to see the Republicans that are capable of functioning in a democratic society. I haven't met one yet. The states that want to be left alone. Okay, we'll leave you. How about we'll leave you? Leave you out of socialist security, socialist Medicare. We'll leave you out of the socialist unemployment system, or the socialist eight-hour workday, or workman comp comp rules, or or any labor law that makes la uh, people uh, get to work in decent working conditions. I mean, imagine that. All right, so I'm looking at the time. I'm, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, God, please let let the phones work. God, even though I don't believe in you, even though you're not, you don't exist, please make these phones. I know you got a lot of, on your plate. There's a pandemic raging. There are... There's monstrosities all over the all over the planet. I know Trump is up to no good somewhere. But I want you to turn your focus to this little to this dinky podcast that's trying to make the world a better place. And I want you to make sure God, all powerful sky being cloud being man on a cloud i don't know why you're a man why 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 do you need a penis i have no idea but turn your omnipotent attention to this tiny little dinky podcast and make sure that all of the technical problems are are ironed out and we can get tom hartman on the phone in a, in about three minutes otherwise god I don't know what I'm going to do. I might have to go to 
turn to Satan with my request. I don't know who. I want to speak to the manager. We will see. <laughs> we will see. It's I can't, I really, you know, there's nothing, I shouldn't, I don't know, whatever. I should have timed it out better, but I don't want to call him. <laughs> I don't want to call him too early. I want to call him right at 830 because that's what we agreed upon. You know what I mean? And if it don't work, I'm, I don't know. I'm hanging it up for good. Unless somebody becomes a patron today. <laughs> And gives me some feedback. That's what it is. It's feedback. And in the meantime, actually, this is a good idea. Um, be, go to, uh, I don't know, whatever. YouTube, not YouTube. Become a patron and also give the show a good review. That helps too. If you can give the show a good review on iTunes, that helps keep us up in the, in the stats. I don't know. It's like an algorithm thing. You know what I mean? So if somebody's looking for liberal shows it will this show will be included and hopefully that's how we grow all right you don't see ben shapiro having to do this shit this is what gets me annoyed too they have all the money who the hell wants to listen to a ben shapiro it's very it's it's very upsetting to me because i don't get it i don't get the attraction why is that 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 cretin that Eddie Munster, wolfy-looking sociopath. Why is that person? And it's like all of them. Tommy Lauren. All of, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Okay. I'm gonna. Okay, here we go, guys. Everybody behave quietly. Be good. I feel like I'm talking to my cats now. Be good. Oh my god, I'm so scared. Here we go. I'm calling Tom Hartman right now. We'll see what happens. It's ringing. It says unavailable. All right. Let's see. This happened last time, too, didn't it? Hmm. We'll get it together. Don't worry, guys. Do not worry in the least. It is going to happen. So let me see. I got his number here. Tom Hartman. Of course, if he's if he's unavailable on Skype, we can. I can also. I could give him the call-in number. So I, because I set up, I set the phones up, just in case we screw had a screw up. We'll try again. Let me try again. Is unavailable. Beep beep pop ba da pop. Hmm. Maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Let me text him and see what's happening. Sorry, guys, but you know how it is. This is why I ask you guys. I ask about patronage. I suggest patronage because we can get a producer. Ah, Tom Hartman. You're there. Okay, hold on a second. You don't see me. Can you see me you now? The wrong camera, too. Hang on just a second. Okay. 
There we go. We got all right. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. For some reason. Yeah, you're not showing up for some reason. Yeah, hang on just a second. Now I'm going to have to go into, oh, there it is. It just appeared. It takes a minute from the Okay. Times. There we go. So. Wait a sec. Yeah, you're not showing up on my on my thing here. That's weird. It's asking me to choose a background effect. That's probably. Uh, let me just. I'm showing. You can hear me? I hear you. Yeah, you hear me too, I'm right? I'm hearing you with an Okay. Echo. You're hearing me with an echo. Oh, gee. Yeah. But it's. Uh, let me see. Let me ask the audience if they're if they hear an echo too. Cause then that's on my end then. You guys hear an echo? <laughs> Do you hear an echo? No, on on me? Let me see. They're saying nothing. It is a delay, so it takes a couple of seconds. But anybody can you guys hear did you hear Tom talk? And did you hear are you hearing me with an echo? Anybody? Otherwise, I could send you, you know what I could do, Tom? I could send you the call-in number, and we don't have to deal with this. And you could just call in, you know? Um, uh, whatever you whatever. Yeah, you I'm just saying, oh, oh, well, I see you. I see you now. It's working now? Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you oh. right here. Perfect. Uh, but can you hear me? Is it okay? Is it okay? Yeah. Okay. It's no problem. Oh, okay, good, good, okay. Very good. So everybody says no echo. You're you're coming through loud and clear. That's great. Tom, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show. You're I mean, you're one of my, I'm I'm a big fan as you know. And also read <laughs> Yes, I I mean that was it was just driving me insane. Not your show in particular. I was watching corporate media and they were no one ever brings up the fact that the that abortion rates go down under democratic policies including universal health care that's yeah. part of how we if you want to have choice you got to give options so that's the thing with this country we don't have any we we don't give people options we we talk about life it's all it's 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 hypocritical and you, your book okay this is one of my passions in life. Before I step off this mortal coil, I want to, I would love to see the United States join the rest of the world and, and offer health care as a right of citizenship, not a privilege. Hold on a sec. That's our, hold on a second. We'll be right back. Tom Hartman. Yeah, that's just my music cue to cut it down. All right, D ignore it. <laughs> we're fine but um and here's the thing okay i read your book so here and this is this basically sums it up racism is the main reason that america doesn't consider health care a human right and provide it to all citizens drop the mic right there we never hear this at all in the conversation why, about health care 12 states that that refuse to expand medicaid and every single one of them is a former slave state mm -hmm. exactly we would already have universal health care if not for our racist history and the and the division that they stoke uh of against you know of through the, throughout the working class and uh, i think that's the biggest fear 
is that the working class will realize that we're in it together and, you know, and things will fundamentally change. We'll have a functioning democracy. I, that's the hope. But that's what I think about universal health care. I don't consider it. I mean, it's it's great. It's um, it's moral. Um, but it is it's also a patriotic imperative. And that's how we have to frame it, I believe, um, moving. I that, yeah. Yeah. So do you think we will have universal health care in in the next 10 years? Let's say I do. Mm. I actually do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. The the uh, I, and I think frankly it's going to happen the way it happened in Canada and, and the person who cued me to this as being the way it'll probably happen in America was Bernie Sanders about ten fifteen years ago, um, saying that he thought that 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 mm -hmm. you know not only was that probably how it would have to happen but that would probably be a good thing although mm -hmm. some people would be left behind for a while. Um, but it would be a good thing because, I mean, he was kind of evoking the Jeffersonian idea of the states as, as um, incubators of democracy or experiments, right. you know, experiments mm -hmm. in democracy. And, uh, uh, you know, the way it happened in Canada was uh, Tommy Douglas was a, a, a Saskatchewan politician. He served in the federal parliament for a number of years, agitating for single-payer health care, could never get it passed, decided, screw this, went back to, back to Saskatchewan. Which is kind of like Vermont in a way. It's a it's a big mm. state physically, but it's got a very small population, and you can do the kind of retail politics that Bernie does. You know, when I lived in Vermont, people would say, "Oh yeah, Bernie." I'm sure you know everybody's yeah. shaking Bernie's hand at least three mm -hmm. times. <laughs> and so Tommy Douglas went back, and he he literally spent a year traveling all over Saskatchewan, you know, sitting in people's living rooms and talking to people. And he got elected premier, and he pushed through single payer health care and put it into place. Period. And the, the provinces nearby, you know, I, I believe it was uh, British Columbia and Alberta, as I recall, mm -hmm. were like, whoa, this is cool. And so they got it. And, right. then, you know, it's kind of spread across the country within a decade. And then the federal government jumped in and backstopped them and filled in some of the chinks and, and provided a funding mechanism to, you know, so if somebody from Saskatchewan gets sick in Toronto, they can, right. you know, move back and forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what happened. And Vermont and California have already passed laws uh, authorizing single-payer health care right. systems. Right. The only reason they can't put them into place is because back in 65, when LBJ put together Medicare, he, f he wanted to make sure that the southern states didn't take the Medicare money and refuse to give services to black people. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of an audit trail from the federal dollars being you know, the checks being written to the people receiving the, the benefits mm -hmm. and when you put a single-payer health care system into place you break that that right that trail you know it, it, it's sort of like block granting and so you know vermont would you know if, if they're getting five billion dollars a year right now from medicare going directly to medicare recipients they'd have to get five billion dollars and then put it into the system because all those medicare recipients are now part of the single-payer system and that's illegal Mm -hmm. And with a, just a simple two or three piece uh, page piece of legislation, Congress could simply authorize what are called Medicare and Medicaid waivers for the states right. so that states can put into place single payer health care. And Democrats have been pushing for this for a decade now. Mm -hmm. And Republicans, of course, fight it into the nail, as do a few of the Democrats who are sold out to the right. healthcare industry. Exactly. Because here in New I live in New York and. There is a New York single-payer health care bill that keeps going through the New York Senate. Now that we have a, a Democratic majority, it's really cl coming close to passing. Governor Cuomo said he was going to sign it. It still hasn't 
made its way through, though, because unions are pushing back on it. And this is what gets me crazy, too, because they it's a divide and conquer strategy as well. I, I don't know why. I mean, as you were talking about, like the corporate Dems who's who kind of stand in the way. And that's that that's another example. Unions are saying, basically, I got mine. You know, good luck, Charlie. And that's not a patriotic message. And this is why it's, for example, when I watch, I would watch Morning Joe. You know, I watch Morning Joe constantly and screaming at the screen and all. They are, they, for example, Willie Geist is always like, well, what about the unions who have negotiated these great plans? As if because there are a few hundred thousand people that have great health care, that means millions should be left behind. And that's what they're well, saying. And, and it also presupposes the inability. It kind of inf- mm. infantilizes the unions. It, it right. presupposes the inability of unions to say, okay, we're no longer going to offer health care as a benefit. Right. We're going to negotiate something else. Exactly. Right, exactly. And I mean, it's the stupidest thing to have health care tied to your job. It's so ridiculous. Even when they ask people in other countries about it, they're like, that's that's ridiculous, especially in this pandemic. And the thing that is kind of, um, I don't know, make it discourages me that if we can't get universal health care pushed through during this pandemic, I, I, it's 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 definitely an uphill battle and but you know that once it's passed and i do believe too that it will come because we we've seen the past 30 years 40 years and more how the public consciousness have has shifted from um you know to healthcare is a, a right they don't really even the right wingers don't <laughs> they believe that but they don't realize that you know that comes from regulation you know but yeah um the, the we we have to push through the uh the universal health care message as a patriotic imperative that's what i believe and that also bringing up what you what you pointed out in the book that our resistance to it is directly tied to our racist history. So if you're still, um, you know, attached to that, then you're, uh, I think that's a way that we could shift Democrats <laughs> to open, like, for example, Tim Ryan, who is a good Democrat, but he is, he's often one of the people that I hear going on about, well, unions, I'm not for Medicare for all because of unions. I find it really divisive and, uh, quite frankly, annoying, you know, with Democrats doing that. Because that's a divide-and-conquer message, too. Like, I got mine, sucks to be you. Like, when Joe Biden says, we could do anything, well, except this, except universal health care, I suppose, right? We can do anything. We're Americans. He's always going on, get up. We can do it, you know, <laughs> but except this, then it's... Oh, uh, everybody's choice. I don't see how it's okay to leave millions of Americans with nothing, too. That's the other thing. We've been conditioned to, to not care about our fellow American. And, and you know, that's why universal health care is a patriotic imperative, I believe. It's, we have to message it like, this is e pluribus unum in action. 
just like the founders pledged our li- their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor to each other, we're, this is in that tradition. And it's also helping, it would help heal our racist divisions as well. This is what I, I believe. Because we are in this together, and that's an, that has to be an action. It can't just be words, you know. Putting that, putting ourselves together, and saying like, "Yes, we do, we do care about the health of our fellow Americans," because that's that's what makes us strong. Uh, it's baffling to me. It really is how Americans. I mean, well, I guess it's not that baffling. They've been really propagandized. That's what it's about, Tom. You know, it really is, and that's why your show. And when you when you talk to these, <laughs> I I you know I read your book, cracking the code, too, and that's what it's about, Ch- changing the message from, you know, I got mine to, we're in this together, really. So yeah, and those are the two main arguments uh, historically, actually, mm-hmm. you know, go back uh, arguably a couple hundred years, um, between conservative and progressive thought in America. Right. You know, the conservative thought is me, mine, um, mm-hmm. the, the whole invisible hand of the marketplace, the, the, the neoliberal notion that if everybody operates toward maximum selfishness, then uh, in aggregate that propels society in a positive direction <laughs> versus the progressive perspective that we're all in this together and that we all believe in democracy. And so we all get together and decide how best right. to allocate the resources that we consider the commons. Mm-hmm. And I'm arguing that healthcare should be considered part of the, the commons just like fire departments are. Yeah. We all got years ago, I mean, almost 100 years ago in America and decided we're all going to collectively tax ourselves so that if our houses catch on fire, somebody can come and put it out. Mm-hmm. We don't have to, you know, do it ourselves and we don't have to ask our neighbor to do it. We can just this happen. Mm-hmm. Hold on one sec. Let me just lower that. Thank you. Hold on, hold on. Fine, it's too loud. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just saying. If, you know, if we all agree that that putting out our house is worth socialism, you know, mm-hmm. to use their phrase, uh, you know, a publicly, collectively funded through tax dollars system of fire departments, aren't our bodies more valuable than our houses? Exactly. And when our bodies metaphorically catch on fire by, you know, being in an accident or contracting right. a disease, getting cancer or something. And, and, you know, and the answer up to this point from conservatives, certainly, has been no, our bodies aren't as valuable as our houses. We have property rights, not human rights. Right, right, and right. And on the other side, you know, we, we make the other argument. Yeah, and it's the search for the superior moral justification for selfishness yet again. But this is not how you... conservatism, yeah, right. John Maynard Baines. Exactly. And you can't run a civilization that way. You, it's, it's, and well, I say, can. yeah, right. You can. That's true. That's true. But it, but it's sort of like the civilization, the founders rebelled to escape where the rich run and own everything and everybody else. Basically, maybe you, know, you might go serve a Lord. You go find your Lord to serve. They'll trickle some benefits on you. That's what we have now in the United States. You lose your Lord. You got to go find another Lord and then they could trickle some benefits on you what's that as in employer yes you know it's it's the same thing except it's now the you know you're going to the corporate yes. lord yeah uh, yeah that's what it is it's a neo-feudal corporate state but it's not and it's not the it's not promoting the general welfare and and this is what the the founders rebelled to escape that kind of system 
you know, where everyone knows their place. I mean, that's what the, the if that's what the Republicans are rebuilding. They're rebuilding the system that the founders overthrew, where every I mean, where you the state has no role, you know, except to make the rich richer and uh, and war and security, and then we are uh, we're all out here fighting over the scraps and uh maybe we'll you know await our reward in heaven that's really what they're they're saying um and they got the earthly earthly rewards all you know to themselves but and this is really part of what i mean universal health care this is i believe and because you um you interview uh, people who have a lot of, you know, access and power. And we see how it, it all starts with the message. So I believe what, what you do, you know, what I'm doing here in a, in a very small way is getting that message out. So the American people, I mean, it ring, it is true. Everybody understands this. I remember years ago when I think, I first met you at one of the uh, Families USA radio rows back in the day. Um, I was with Mike Malloy. We were, um, it was uh, during Obamacare when the Supreme Court was arguing. They, they were arguing Obamacare and there were all these, there, uh, there were a few protesters in front of the Supreme Court. The, the lady with the hand, she became, mm-hmm. she, got a, she got her picture today and said, get your hands off my Medicare. That lady was there and I, I spoke to that lady. And um, she was a nice lady, I thought. And I was talking to her. I was like, well, what are people supposed to do? Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying that people shouldn't get help when they're sick. They're not to a person. They were like, no, I believe that everybody should have health care. But, but I don't think they're, I mean, it's the same thing with the vaccine today. People should tell us what to do. That, that's what she, her problem was. But. You know, it, this is not a feasible way to run a civilization. And it's like they want all the benefits of civilization, but none of the responsibilities we have to each other. I mean, how are you supposed to have a great civilization when we're all like, who cares? Like, just, oh, well, Jack, good luck. Yeah, how is this? Uh, anyway, it's just, it's, I, I just think that, um, you know, when we when you talk to the um, you know people who have the access and power, that this is the message we have to push. This is about patriotism. It really is reclaiming patriotism for because that's really what progressivism is. It's patriotism, and uh, it's the ability to function in a free democratic society. Um, it is putting e pluribus unum in action. I mean, all of that. So, I mean, as progressives, uh, the whole the United States is, itself is a progressive initiative. You know, there's nothing more progressive than overthrowing a king, you know, after thousands of years. So, yeah, I mean, we have so much work to do in this country. <laughs> and uh, I agree. I, th- I really believe that universal health care, it would be such a healing thing for our country uh, i and i really wish I, I hope i get to see it happen i really do it's like after world war ii the english that's when they got their universal health care program because they're like oh we got through the war now we're going to build the peace and they were because yeah. of the unity and most of the rest of europe too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
but the United States, we've never, it's like whenever we have these crises, we've never, we never um, come together, it seems, and do, do something for the, for, you know, for the betterment of each other. Well, part it's, of that is because the Supreme Court keeps saying, you know, if billionaires and big corporations want to pour money down the throats of politicians, that's mm, free speech. Right. And corporations want to do it. That's because they're persons and they just keep, <laughs> you know, coming up with these BS uh. um, rulings where they're actually writing law that doesn't exist and they have no business doing it. Mm. And and the, the, the consequence of that has been a significant hit on democracy. It has yeah. been for a long time. It's why another one of my hidden history books is about the Supreme Court and the betrayal right. of America is the title. Right. Yeah. And it's it, that I mean, so much of the problems that we've been confronting since the 1980s, you can track right back to the Supreme Court. Right, sadly. right. And that, this is another thing, Tom, with the Supreme Court um, that needs to be messaged, in my opinion, to if we want to fix the Supreme Court, we have to every time Democrats get in front of a camera and talk about the Supreme Court, they have to talk about the fact that it is an illegitimate court, that every uh, the, the last three justices were put on there by hook and by crook and completely illegitimately include i mean gorsuch him um not i mean for especially kavanaugh of course and amy coney i mean all of them are illegitimate and that's that well, has and, to be messaged mm -hmm. and with kavanaugh uh, you know the fbi didn't even do the right. investigations the minor investigations that they were supposed to do um, we saw a great example today of the FBI's ass being kicked all around the block, mm -hmm. you know, in the case of, of the gymnasts right. uh, that they failed to do anything about. I would like to see a, a reprisal, you know, a, a, a you know, the, the House and Senate revisiting that around, right. you know, the FBI's inv investigation into yeah. Brett Kavanaugh. Because we still don't know who paid off his $200,000 right. gambling debts, you know? Exactly. So Exactly. And th how is this okay, too? That's the other thing. When uh, we, we kind of just wash our hands w of it. Oh, well, well, they, they won that one. And then we go on and we legitimize it by saying, oh, well, Justice Kavanaugh has ruled or what. It, it, it should constantly be. This is an illegitimate, stolen uh, Supreme Court seat. He wasn't even properly vetted. That's for sure. And, right. I mean, and also, what did Trump say to Kennedy to get him to resign? Right. Because Kennedy's still running around loose. He's a good, you know, he's a good, healthy guy right, right now. Exactly. He's, he's, old, he's in his seven, late 70s, early 80s, but he's still extremely healthy. And it, But it was Kennedy's son, Justin, who loaned Donald Trump a billion dollars mm. when he was in charge of uh, the uh, uh, Extraordinary Wealth Division or whatever they mm -hmm. call it at Deutsche Bank. Oh, God. And, and Trump made some remark about Kennedy's son to Kennedy at an event at the White House. Mm. And, gee, just a couple of weeks later, Kennedy decides he's going to step right, down. Right, right. Well, there you there. go. That's the corruption. I, that's why it's right out in the open. Money in politics, we know, is the root of all evil. And I always say uh, we'd already have universal health care if not for that, too. That's for sure, because it's the the lobby money, the big moneyed interest getting in the way constantly. And, um, you know, I, I often wonder, you know, how much longer are we going to take it too? Because this is why they divide us, of course, because the American people are too busy taking horse pills or, uh, you know, going online uh, 
getting meme. I don't know. How do you uh, MD through the memes, I suppose? It, they don't trust the vaccine, but they trust like a meme on 4chan. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, well, if you show up at the hospitals, maybe the <laughs> maybe the docs should just hand them a laptop and say, "Well, right. we'll figure out what to do." You know? Yeah, so ask Google. Dr. Google. You know, just Google it, right? I mean, it's been working so well before. It's fascinating, yeah. but yeah, we have. I I I go back and forth um, whether we i mean whether this country's going to survive or not everybody who watches the show knows i go i'm like mm, one day I'm, I'm i have hope the other day another day i'm like eh, it ain't happening because i really feel that and i'm not the only one saying this of course you're saying it other corporate media people are saying it that, th that we're in a crisis of democracy that the republican party there's one political party that is an anti-democratic party. They're fundamentally anti-democratic, and they're they're trying to destroy the uh, this country. I mean, they they really are. I, I know a little bit about history. Uh, it's uh, we've been screaming about this for years about fascism and how fascism is coming to America, wrapped in the flag, carrying across, you know, all of that. And here it is, and even the stuffing of the courts too putting um, illegitimately stuffing loyalists onto the court, not just the Supreme Court, all these courts. Um, that's also, that's right out of the Nazi playbook too. That's what they did. Uh, and that's what all autocrats do because they need to nullify whenever, you know, their laws, whenever, the, uh, during the rise to power, that's what happens. They start shoving unqualified loyalists into uh, onto the judiciary so whenever the, a case comes before them they they can nullify it and that's exactly i that's what i feel is happening here too and i've been screaming about that but um it's i'm sure that joe biden and and chuck schumer and the rest of the democrats like they're not I mean, i'm sure they know what's going on this is what i have to tell myself because yeah, and there's one thing you say to the public. You know, they it seems like Joe Biden. Uh, I'm glad you know isn't turning out to be that conservative Democrat that he's been his entire career. But um, I just wonder um, you know, if we're gonna make it. I was <laughs> I was just pointing to this book. You probably heard of it. Better off without him. Have you heard yeah, this? I yeah. Heard <laughs> Remember that? I, this was like when George Bush was president. Um, uh, Chuck Thompson wrote this book. And uh, yeah, I just wonder sometimes because they're all talking about uh, civil war, civil war, too. I'm like, just go get the hell out already. I mean, what the hell? You know what I mean? Don't we don't need a war. Get the F out. <laughs> you know, it's like a bad relationship. It's like leave the keys and get out, you know, but I don't know. Do you, what do you think? Do you think we're going to make it? I, I Sometimes I think we're going to be like the federated states or not really the United States. Do you know what I mean? So I think we're going to make it. I, I, mm. I do. And I, I think the the election last night in California is another good mm. sign that we're going to mm -hmm. I think as long as we've got blue states that are offering good examples of good governance, and, and New York right. is not one of them, by the way. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yes. Um, but, you know, we've got some really well-run blue states, you know, yeah. Washington State, Oregon, uh, California. Um, you know, they're, they're doing good, mm -hmm. and we're doing good. Right. And, and uh, you know, and then, we, and then you look at what's going on in the Republican-controlled states, and they're hellholes. You know, right. the, the, 
You have the, the, the highest rates of smoking, the highest rates of cancer, the highest rates of heart attacks, the highest yeah. rates of obesity, the highest rates of childhood and infant mortality, the lowest lifespans in America, mm. the highest crime rates, the highest divorce rates, the highest venereal right. disease rates. Right. Those all occur in the red states. Hmm. And it and and you know, and just flip those, the lowest rate of all those things all occur in the blue states. And it's not a coincidence of geography. It's a coincidence of politics. Right. And I, I just don't think that the American people very much longer are going to be in the dark about right, that. Right, right. I think they're freaking out. Right. I think, I mean, now I'm feeling hopeful. That might change in five minutes. But because that's the one thing, I guess, that we can say in retrospect about Trump is that he did definitely wake people up. And um, we can see the freak out of the Republicans. They really have let their freak flags fly. And I and I do believe that the majority of the American people are not they don't want what they're what they're pushing. They I and I. Well, that's why they have to resort to, to voter suppression. Right. Exactly. You know, the Democrats are not asking for voter suppression. The Democrats are asking for, you know, make it like here in Oregon for 20 years now. It's been all 100 percent mail in voting. Mm-hmm. And we have the highest voter participation rate in the country. And, you know, Washington state, it's been almost 20 years. It's just it works really, really well. You get the ballot six weeks before the election. You, you, you get a voter guide. You can look through it. You can fill right. it out. You can go online and do your homework. Yeah. It's At your great. convenience. And you can really research and, yeah. you know. You don't have to take a day off of work or what's that? Especially the local races. It's like, who who are these people running for city council? I mean, usually, you know, if you show up and vote in person, you just kind of blow those things up. Mm -hmm. Who's running for judge? But, you know, we vote by mail. You can sit down and, you know, Louise and I do this, you know, every every couple of years. We sit Mm -hmm. down with a Mm -hmm. with a laptop and and just, you know, look at all the candidates, look at their websites, look at their positions. And and you can make, you know, be a a much more Mm well-informed vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what side you're on. I mean, I, you would think that right. everybody would want vote by mail, universal vote by mail. But they they would <laughs> before they started the propaganda campaigns against. It's just amazing right. to me. It's amazing. But I do think that the, the majority of the American people um, understand that uh, that the what they're up to. It, that's what it seems to me. And I think that a lot of Americans are are fed up with that with the antics. I mean, it's just mm. out of control. The antics. We can't even go to a goddamn school board meeting without having some viral video go uh, be be created from some moron talking about horse pills. I mean, it's just insane. Or laughing at a kid who lost his grandmother. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's messed up, but we, I mean, we're definitely at a crossroads. What's that? We'll get through this. (laughs) I got a boogie here. All right. I appreciate you coming on the show and, and of course, for all your work to make this country and world a better place. You definitely are um, one of my heroes and yeah, I just uh, thank thank you you so much for, for everything. Keep it up. I will. I definitely will. Thank you so much, Tom. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. The amazing Tom Hartman. Okay, that went pretty well. I don't know. What do you guys say on the chat? It was better than last time, right? (laughs) At least I let him talk this time. (laughs) It makes me nervous. I'm sorry. 
Look at me. I don't know. Yeah, I just love him. I think he's great. He's amazing. He's a national... I mean, he's just like... How does he write 50 books? I can't even write an article some days. It's, I got too much to do. How do you do it? I guess it's he has a lot of patrons. <laughs> Maybe somebody became a patron for him. All right. Buy this book. It's great. And it's... I mean, the thing about the the way Tom has written these this series of books... The Hidden History of American Oligarchy. The hit, I mean, there's a few. Hidden History of Monopolies. Hidden History of the War on Voting. I mean, these, this is, oh, the Supreme Court, as Tom, uh, as Tom mentioned. What was the other one? Oh, The Hidden History of Guns in the Second Amendment. Um, these are uh, succinct and palatable books that you can read in, a, in an afternoon as I did. Uh, they are an easy read. And um, yeah, do it. Read it. So there's a format. Andrea is saying there's a format. Well, give me that format so I can write a book. I, I wrote, um, well, I want to write it. See, I, I'm in the process <laughs> of writing a book. I am. See, you know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. I wrote a proposal on which included three chapters of this book that I writ I written <laughs> that I writ that I done writ I writ that thing all myself me me writ written it up I writ it real good and then what did I do oh I and I actually had it edited professionally and it was it, the woman who edited it she was a she, that's what she did for a living, and she's edited numerous books and proposals and whatnot. And then they, and what happened? And then um, she said it was good. She liked it. And in fact, she told me that two times, or maybe three, I can't remember. I'll say three for the sake of argument. She actually was brought to tears, okay, which is good. Not because it sucked. She wasn't crying because of that. She was touched by what I was writing. And I was like, okay, then that means we've we've done we've done good. We've writ real good then. <laughs> so but then I sent I sent this proposal to a few places. And you know what they did? They said, eh. They said, F you, lady. And um, what else did they say? Nothing. I don't know. I got a That's what happened. And I wish, I wish it were different. And then I said to myself, I said, me, me don't like this. Me no like. I said, me, um, maybe what I need to do is make the show bigger or get the show into a better state where... There are more people watching the show, and then maybe somebody will give it a crap. But the show, but I mean, but the book is about, it's called It Sucks to Be Right. That's right. It's a good title, too, <laughs> if I do say so. And it is about how Republicans suck. We know this. and it's, But it's also semi-autobiographical. So I weave 
the stories of how Republicans suck, and we bring the receipts, interwoven between um, stories in my life where, um, for example, primarily it's about me and my father, arguing with my father, who was a Reagan Democrat, and I've told you the stories. And that's probably why. I mean, I know know I'm a liberal. I just know that in my soul because that's what, what is being a liberal. It's being a decent person who cares about other living creatures and is that so hard? I don't know. It's, it is for some people. And I under, And even when I was younger, and my father, I told you, my, I love my father. We know that. My father was a very nice man. <laughs> he was uh, well-liked by all, by, by all in general and kind you know give you the shirt off his back kind of guy and but he also listened to rush limbaugh and um what he had and he you know made some racist comments constant not constantly i mean he would he thought it was funny too that's the other thing i think there was that generation as well because everybody in my father, the, the way my father would say, "Oh, that's that Puerto Rican guy," or "That's that," you know what I mean? Like everybody had to be identified by their race or their heritage, let's say, because there's only one race, the human race. So they'd be like, "Oh yeah, the Puerto Rican guy." Oh yeah, the black guy. Oh yeah, the you know what I mean? The Italian guy. It was, it wasn't, um, wasn't just, you know, it was everybody had to be identified as to their heritage and that's the way they were and then he also had a lot of racist um nicknames and whatnot but i understood that from uh, world war ii he would say things like don't jap me in the back you know what i mean like don't sneak up behind me <laughs> but that was like a world war ii reference even though he was too young for world war ii but that was his generation. That's all I can say. It's sort of like, even though I have to tell you, I did have many, many arguments with him and would tell him, shut the up with that shit. That's, you know, we don't talk like that anymore. This is the year, whatever it was, 1992 or whatever. Shut your, your stupid mouth. That's not funny. You know, and he would never, I have to say, they ne- my father didn't use the N-word. It wasn't like that was like flying around my house or anything. It wasn't. They understood that that's a bad, like bad, that's a bad word, you know. They weren't like that. They weren't like Nazis or anything or um, white, white supremacists. <laughs> they were just casual racists as, as you were on Staten Island, as everybody is today, I'm sure. But I remember when I was young and I didn't know any better, you know, my father would say things. I told you this, like one time I was, I got a reject letter or didn't get a scholarship. I used to go, you know, when I went to school, I, I, I applied for all scholarships and whatnot. I got different scholarships to go to college and, and I got a letter. I would apply to a bunch of scholarships. And that's what I suggest if you're young like Mark, Middlestat, 
and um, just want to go to school, apply for every scholarship you can, and I'm sure you will win many. And yeah, so that's what happened. And I, so I got a letter back. I didn't get this particular scholarship. And my father said to me, that's because your skin's not black. That's what he said. And I was like, I just looked at him like, everything is not an assault on your white privilege, daddy. I didn't say that, but I was just like, eh, I don't know about that, dad. But that's what he believed. You know why? Because that's what they were telling him on Rush Limbaugh's show. This is what was being churned out oh, constantly on the Rush Limbaugh show. And that's what my father did. He, he, he would, I mean, he, he used to drive in his car. He liked driving. Of course, um, he would drive up to Atlantic City, which is like a three-hour, two, two-and-a-half-hour drive from Staten Island, and listen to Rush Limbaugh. That's what he did. Drive, drive, listening to that, to that Joseph Goebbels, the American Joseph Goebbels, which is ironic, frankly, because my father was a big World War II buff as well. And I think that my love of history maybe come, I don't know, I was, it was in me as a child. But we used to uh, uh, watch all World War II documentaries and whatnot together. But he, so he knew about the dangers of fascism and how fascism takes hold in a country. But Yet, there he was listening to the American Joseph Goebbels go on and on and on about how everybody, how, how the problems in the country can be, can be blamed on people with darker pigment or somebody lower on the ladder, a few rungs lower on the ladder. And I was, I would get irate with my father and we had a couple of fights that were heated too I remember where I didn't want to speak to him all about this is what republicanism does it breaks people up it breaks up families because I was like I can't listen to you this bullshit and then I would walk into the house and he'd have Fox News on and then I I deprogrammed their remote to to make sh to make it so they couldn't turn on Fox News. <laughs> I don't remember how I did that. I looked that up somehow, and then I um, he got mad, so I had to fix it back. And I was like, you, uh, you, I don't want you watching this shit. And then he, what else? Oh, uh, so I had to fix the remote. But then I made him watch Outfoxed. I I took that. Remember that movie, Outfoxed. <clears throat> it was all about Fox News propaganda. So we, I took that over there, and we watched it. And then, what else? What happened? He actually, before, I don't know, I mean, he did get Alzheimer's. That's what happened. So he started getting Alzheimer's, and then he got, when he was, when he was diagnosed, I mean, he, he really declined quickly. But um, by the end, I think 
George W. Bush administration, the the second, whatever, the second mistake, the second four years of hell. Um, he was he didn't like George Bush. I th- and I credited myself. <laughs> I gave myself credit for turning him because I, ne- I I I I never let it. I never let him off the hook, man. Yes. All right. First of all, I just want to say thank you, Jim, for your super chat. And thank you, Richard W., for your super chat. Another great show, Tara. Thank you. I And I credit Tom Hartman for that. Thank you, Shadow Star Ace, for your super chat and your little cute little emoji waving. Thank you, Side Life, for your super chat. Very nice to, to meet you, and thank you so much. Thank you, J.D., for your super chat. J.D. writes, always nerve-wracking meeting one's heroes. That, that's the truth. Damn, that's the truth. All right. Let's talk about other stuff. I have other stuff to talk about. And that, see, and like I was, like Tom Harmon and I were talking about, I, this is what I believe. Healthcare, as we know, healthcare is a human right. I, I believe that the brokenness of our country is um, the is emblematic. Well, no, no, no. Healthcare. The fact that we don't have universal healthcare is emblematic of the brokenness of the country. It really is. <laughs> Richard W. Another great interview, Tara. That's very nice of you. That makes me feel good. But speaking of, and like I like I was telling Tom, what I was trying to uh, like put the bug in his ear. I hope um, when I listen to Tom Hartman's show, um, maybe I'll be able to hear that he's, um, you know. He's pushing the patriotic frame. That's what has to happen. They've done studies on, um, well, in communications in general, right? So they, I remember specifically there was, I was reading this something about framing climate change um, emails. It was a marketing thing. Then they were trying to reach conservatives and then they were trying to reach liberals. So they had the same message about climate change, but they were framing it differently in um, depending on who they were targeting. So they had, um, with conservatives, they they found that their ads got a better response when the ad about climate change referenced um, the future. Okay, so it ref not not the future. It referenced leaving a a a a decent country for the you know for future generations. So, um, and also um, caretaking and framing that in a patriotic way. It makes sense, right? Of course, it's patriotic not to uh, blast the tops off of the Purple Mountain's majesty or frack the fruited plains. So 
that's patriotism. You have to frame it like that. We're conserving um, America the beautiful. And when they framed that, their um, their email, it was an email that they had that they were looking for responses. And when they framed it like that, they conservatives responded positively to this message. And that's how it is. When you frame it as um, as far as liberals, I'm trying to remember what the frame for liberal. I think it was it was the right thing to do, and or something. You know, it's the normal people frame, and the um, conservatives. You have to speak to them in a different way. But they responded. They responded to it. But it, and it makes sense, and I do think that they will. The conservatives can understand the patriotic frame of of leaving no one behind. This is a country. Let's say. I mean, I know it's not now. This is a country that doesn't leave anybody on the battlefield, right? So why do we leave people on the battlefield of sickness or ignorance or homelessness or income? insecurity i mean all of that it has to be framed as patriotic imperatives keeping the american experiment alive but that's what we got to do that's what we're doing here that's what i'm doing i believe this is really why i do the show and i i hope that we hear we hear that starting to change the message it has to be repeated and it has to just constantly get into the public consciousness and then you'll you'll see how things will change that it's same thing like for example how are all these idiots eating horse pills because they're reading about or they're somebody it's online it's being promoted by their propaganda outlets for whatever reason they're not, nobody's doing any research. What research? These people didn't even get out of the eighth grade, half of them. So, what are you researching? I don't know, research. Isn't that for elites who like to eat arugula? Ain't that re- research? Me search. Damn it. But, they're hearing it from, from their prop, from, from uh, friggin' Ben Shapiro. That demon is telling them a lot of bullshit. <laughs> Candace Owens, Tommy Lauren, horrible people are telling them stupid things, and they're listening, and they're and they're making decisions that are killing, killing themselves and their families. I mean, that's because because of propaganda. That's because of the you know what I mean. So we're here cutting through the bullshit. And in keeping with the theme, let me read this. This is from Public Citizen. Analysis from March, um, March 2021. Analysis, how for-profit health care worsened the pandemic. Hundreds of thousands of deaths and millions of infections would likely have been prevented under Medicare for All. A new white paper by Public Citizen lays out how the for-profit healthcare system left the U.S. vulnerable and unprepared for the COVID-19 pandemic, and how how a single-payer, government-run healthcare system in which all Americans were covered 
would have helped the U.S. response to the crisis and prevented thousands of deaths. The pandemic has shown how wide the gaps in our health care system remain and how easily it is for families to fall through them. Too many Americans were already suffering unnecessarily prior to the pandemic, and COVID-19 just exacerbated the challenges people face. This is from the, said by Egan Kemp, public citizen's healthcare policy advocate. We already spend far more than any compar- comparably wealthy country uh, on healthcare while achieving far less. And we're left wholly unprepared for the COVID-19 pandemic. The U.S. remains, okay, here we go, only one of the 25 wealthiest countries to not provide universal health care. And health care, the, and the, the health care system's focus on profits rather than health has cost Americans their lives. That's another thing. I, I, I should have wrote this down. Because I meant to say this to Tom Harmon, maybe another time. But that's another thing that we need to remind the American people. 35,000 Americans needlessly die every year because of the for-profit health care racket. And how is that acceptable? 35,000 Americans every year? Could you imagine any other industry that caused the deaths of 35,000 Americans? Would that industry be allowed to continue to survive? With that? I mean, there would be, there certainly would be um, some kind of reform to that, to that racket, don't you think? If it was killing 35,000 Americans? Needlessly, needlessly. That makes me sick. That means that people have curable illnesses, but they can't get treatment because they can't afford it. That's disgusting. And the whole world knows it. And the the thing that breaks my heart is when I watch clips of um, from other countries being interviewed about the American system. The, the people in other countries are appalled at what we what we put up with. We don't have to take this shit, but we do because we're divided. They have divided us so they can turn the system back into the one that the founders fought a revolution to escape. There's no doubt in my mind. And and just like I said to Tom Hartman, the other thing, racism is the main reason that America doesn't consider health care a human right and provide it to all its citizens. This is, that's the most important line, really, or one of them in this whole book, because no one ever talks about that, except me. I mean, I do, and Robin Kincaid, Mike Mullen, I mean, the real liberal media does. You don't hear this on corporate media? They would never bring that up because they're all about keeping the status quo in the in this broken ass system that has bribery built right into it it is disgusting you set up a system with bribery built into it and that the founders didn't do that what do you think they would say about that they'd say it's disgusting 
They'd say, that's not what, that's not what we fought a revolution to entrust to you. We didn't fight, bleed, and die so the rich can get richer. We fought, bled, and died to create a country birthed in the liberal age of enlightenment. This, that's why it's the grand experiment. It, no one uh, had seen a, a system like this in thousands of years at all. I mean... So they didn't, uh, why would you go through all the trouble of having a revolution if you're just going to recreate the same system that you escaped? There's, uh, there makes no sense. You wouldn't. Okay, the U.S. remains the only one of the 25 wealthiest countries to not provide universal health care. And the healthcare system's focus on profits and not health has cost Americans their lives, despite having less than 5% of the world's population. Here, get ready to be disgusted. The U.S. has had 25% of the world's confirmed cases and 20% of the world's deaths. Well, this is a few months ago. It's even worse now. Public Citizen's new report demonstrates how. Before the pandemic, these are bullet points, the first one. Before the pandemic, approximately 87 million Americans were uninsured or underinsured. About one-third of COVID-19 deaths and the 40% of infections were tied to the lack of insurance. And that's another thing, underinsured. How disgusting is that? What do you mean underinsured? What, what, why do you need to be insured? Like other countries, you, you what's this insurance shit? You health you you sick? You go to a doctor. You go to the one the doctor that you want to go to too. That's the thing with these Republicans. It's not about nobody likes their health insurance. They like going to the doctor. They like their doctors. If you like, I mean, if you like your insurance, you could keep. That was the the stupidest thing Obama said. That and he he got dinged for it. They, whatever. What what was that site that made them? What's that? The a lie of the year. They they awarded, quote unquote, lie of the year to Obama's statement that if you like your insurance, you can keep your insurance. And all of the the whiners pooped their diapers and had a tantrum. I like my insurance. I mean, they're such whiners. And I remember at the time I did a tirade, one of those two-minute tirades I used to do for progressive voices. And the tirade was just like, who hurt you? Who hurt you, America? Why are you pining? For these insurance racketeers, like a battered spouse pining for an abuser. Because that's what it sounded like to me. I like my insurance. Maybe Obama said that because he, he couldn't fathom in a zillion years why anybody would be like, I want my co-pays, co-insurance, and deductibles. I want to be excluded. I want to be denied in network, out of network. I want to get a surprise bill. 
when I go to the doctor and I'm under anesthesia and then I find out, oh, the anesthesiologist isn't in network. That's not Obamacare. That's the insurance racket, you bastards. This is what I can't stand about the Republicans. They're so full of shit. They make me, ugh. They stink. They stink up the whole country. That's how full of it they are. But you like your insurance, you can keep your insurance. I, I guess Obama didn't believe, he couldn't, pro he probably couldn't believe how, how much we hated ourselves. You know what I mean? Because it takes, that's what it takes. It takes this, a level of self-loathing to endure and uh, to accept the abuse. To accept it. To be like, oh... That's normal. You know, it's so disgusting that the... No what was it? What was this? Was it number one? I don't want to say the a wrong statistic. I'm not Tucker Carlson here. You know what I mean? I don't lie. That's another thing. You saw that clip. Tucker Carlson said... We'll play that after, actually, now that I've said it. But... What was I looking up? I can't think. Anyway, let me read this. About half of Americans receive their health care through their employer, the stupidest thing ever. With more than 22 million Americans losing their job during the pandemic, millions have lost their health insurance. Stupid. It's dumb. And that is, that's a system that was created by accident as well. It was this, the whole thing with um, insurance tied to your job, That that's a byproduct of uh, of the great prosperity, actually, unfortunately, because it was a uh, a workers' market after World War II, and all of the soldiers came home, and some went to college on the GI Bill, others went to work, some went to college, and then to work, of course, and they, um, you know, they, uh, what do you call it? What's the word? You know, in order to attract, I guess, the talent, private companies started offering health care. That's what it was. So it's like, because at the time, the other thing is this. There was no need for insurance companies, let's say, at the turn of the 20th century or before, because people didn't live <laughs> I mean, healthcare really was the providence of the rich, and the life expectancy was like 45 years old for workers. Not that people didn't live longer, of course. It, it all depended on many numerous factors, but health insurance and health care in general. This is more of a modern invent. I mean, people, of course, have been going to the doctor uh, forever, but insurance, there was no need for insurance because people weren't, um, I mean, if you had a major illness, it was supportive care you would get, you know, like cancer or something. They would give you supportive care rather, um, you, you know, because you were going to die. That's it. So, all right. Racial health disparities, including access to care, 
have led disproportionate deaths in communities of color, and that's what Republicans like. We know that. That's like that is why they stopped um, uh, advocating for a, a more aggressive um, remedy for the pandemic. Soon as the statistics came out that the African American communities were being hit harder by the pandemic that's when the republicans were like all right everybody back to work back to work suckers go die you know go take one for the team granny would be happy to die for the economy remember that one one of the fascists said that that's what you do your patriotic duty granny die go die But that's what it's about. They were like, huh, it's only people with darker pigment dying, so what's the problem? Well, that's sort of like Reagan's response to the AIDS crisis. When AIDS was ravaging the gay community, um, Reagan was told that he never even said the word AIDS for years. Well, people were dying, people were having die-ins, sit-ins, act up civil disobedience and then you know they they said gay there's a there's a, a gay the what do they call it gay cancer or something there's a cancer affecting the gay community and uh what did reagan say just like just like uh what's his face like cheney when asked about the war reagan said the same thing so what's the problem there's your party of life. Well, some, all men are created equal. Some are more equal than others. Public Citizen continues, Americans are significantly more likely to die of chronic respiratory disease, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, or cancer than people in com comparably wealthy countries with universal health care systems and a lack of essential funding led to insufficient hospital capacity. The U.S. had only around half the hospital beds per capita of peer nations and, a far, few, and far fewer than countries like Japan or Germany. Thousands of deaths would have been avoided if Medicare for All had been in place prior to the COVID-19 crisis. But that statement, thousands of deaths would have been avoided, that, that could apply to every Republican policy. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the Republican way, thousands of deaths not being avoided. And trust me, when we get universal health care, when it happens, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You know the, the Republicans will be tripping over each other, pushing each other to get to the front of the parade like, I was here all along, right? You know it. They'll be positioning themselves as the champions. Oh, we all agree in universal health care. Just like all of a sudden they all agree on uh, pre-existing conditions protection. I mean, can you believe them? Yes, I believe they're monsters. I, we all, no, no only an animal 
no offense to animals, would would think that your pre-existing conditions won't be protected. Even though that's the way it's been for American history. Remember all those pre-existing conditions? I remember reading stories about people who had cancer and couldn't get health care because they lost their job and they were trying to get another job while they're being treated trying to save their lives they can't they can't rest they can't relax because they're getting bills they don't know how they're going to afford their treatment this is sick let me see how many GoFundMe oh this is I think I played this once before there was a, a video GoFundMe made a video and they were they were very proud GoFundMe. Um, were they were very proud about how many, how many um, campaigns on GoFundMe were all about medical. We have done so much. GoFundMe to help the American people meet their medical needs. Wow, isn't that gross? Now I understand. I guess that's the way it is. You gotta. That's capitalism, right? Taking advantage of miseries. I mean, and this is why healthcare is not, it's not a market. It's not a free market. How are these, these efforts, these sociopaths think that healthcare is a market? It's not a market. You're, you're over a barrel. Your money or your life. It's not like you could be like, oh, uh, okay, I have, um, Let's see. I have diabetes. I have, um, you know, whatever. I have a, a laundry list of pre-existing conditions. Who, who am I going to call? Let's see. Let, let me um, negotiate and bargain. Huh, yeah. Um, is this Mount Sinai? Well, uh, if you can't give me a good price on my chemo, I'm, I will take my business elsewhere. Like, you could... That, that, like, that's a feasible thing. Like, I, I, I told you a couple of years ago now, when I was sick and I had to go to the hospital, I was very sick. There's no, like, shopping around. Are you kidding me? It's so stupid. That's, that's who they are. That's who Republicans are. This is what they do to this country. All of the pain that they that they inflict on the American people. They're supposed to be all about families, right? But what do they do to help the family? Do they do anything to help families who have somebody who's sick in their family? There's nothing worse. Imagine a sick child, a sick anybody, a sick breadwinner. What do you do? Go die. Go die. Go to the church. That's the other thing. They want you the no social safety net. Just go to the church, just like the system the founders rebelled against. You have uh, any needs? You need a, a social safety net to catch you? Oh, well, that's what the church is for. And I told you the story about my grandmother after my my father's house burnt down my well my grandmother's house it was my grandmother's house and 
all of her children. The house, my grandfather burned the house down, smoking in bed. I told you that story. But they, my grandfather, who was a dum-dum, no, I mean, he wasn't stupid. He was just a drunk. But he, so he was smoking in bed, but he he didn't pay the bill on, on the insurance that month. Can you believe that shit? They had insurance on the house, but he didn't pay the bill that month. So, of course, the insurance was like, oh, well, fucker. They were like, happy day is all here again. You stupid ass. I don't have to pay you a dime. Do, 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 do. Go to the church with your problems. Happy days are here in corporate America. And they, uh, my grandmother did go to the church because she's a good Catholic. Putting all that money in those envelopes, whenever that that pole comes down the aisle. For years, money in envelope. Ding, ding, ching. And then she goes to the church. I got eight kids. My husband's in the hospital, burned. He didn't. He didn't. He burned his hands really bad, and um. Because he was trying to put the fire out. He woke up and it was like, oh shit, the fucking house. And he was trying to put the fire out. But he was unsuccessful. And uh, so she went to the to the church and they were like, oh, they get, you know what they did? They gave her a ham or something. something. Like a turkey or a ham. Oh, okay. And that's the other thing. Another time, I remember I was on YouTube once and I was having, I was having an argument with somebody on YouTube uh, through the chat with a conservative, with a, a right-winger, and they were saying, they were talking about, because uh, uh, I was saying, well, thank God when my father got sick with, uh, with Alzheimer's that, that we had Medicaid, that he could get the help. He could actually get help and be, be tr properly cared for by a professional because that's what he needed. And, you know, what was I supposed to do? Move my father into my one-bedroom apartment in Queens and become a uh, around-the-clock nurse for somebody who, with Alzheimer's who doesn't know what the F he is? It's impossible. But that's what they want you to do. And then I remember the guy was like, oh, well, that's wonderful, but that's not my problem. It was like somebody wrote, you know. It's not my problem. It's great that your father got to get care, but it's not my problem. Like, F, well, that's their, that's their thing. Your health, your problem. Well, that doesn't sound like e pluribus unum to me. That doesn't sound like pledging your life, fortune, and sacred honor. Right? It's so ridiculous. But we know that once universal health care is passed, and it will be, once we finally get it, they're all going to be like, we were here all along. See? No Republican will ever stand in the way of your pre-existing condition. Remember that? Oh, my God. Trump saying it. All of them. They all went on about They all say it. 
Republicans will always protect your pre-existing conditions. Since when? Because for, for, uh, forever, <laughs> since forever, people have been getting kicked off of health care for having pre-existing conditions or being denied. So where you been? Where you been, Trump? Where you been? Scott Walker, all of them. Pre-existing conditions. Here, here's a montage. I support forcing insurance companies to cover pre-existing conditions. I support forcing insurance companies to cover all pre-existing conditions. I'm fighting to protect pre-existing conditions. Kevin. What do you mean forcing? I, what happened to the free market? What's the free market going on? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Forcing company? What? Premier voted for guaranteed coverage for pre-existing conditions. I'm taking on both parties and fighting for those with pre-existing conditions. Everyone agrees we're going to protect pre-existing conditions. You, everyone agrees. That's because when they finally had pre-existing conditions protections, thanks to Obamacare, uh, they 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 didn't want to wait 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 I like I wait wait this I like, but it's Obamacare. Wait 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 wait, I I I'm feeling weird. I feel, how am I supposed? I I like pre-existing conditions, but I don't like this Obamacare. Uh, I don't understand. I it's almost like I like. I want all the benefits of civilization, but I want none of the responsibilities. And I, I'm, I'll just pick and choose like a child, like a child uh, who wants to eat ice cream for breakfast. I don't want, I want ice cream for breakfast. I want all the benefits of ice cream, but I want, I want none of the, the drawbacks like, uh, you know, the sugar high or whatever else. But that's, where you been, Republican? I never heard you utter pre-existing conditions. You don't give a shit about conditions pre-existing or otherwise. The American people can go pound sand. Well, you don't give a crap about anybody's condition. We all protect your pre-existing condition. I hate them. I goddamn hate them. Because they're so, they're goddamn shameless. And the morons, I mean, come on. Don't you have any self-respect? Listen to them. Listen to the hypocrisy. What are you talking about? Find me a clip. Anybody, anybody. Find me a clip of a Republican pre-Obamacare talking about how they're going to protect your pre-existing conditions. Anybody. Do that for me. And I'll, I, I swear, I'll, uh, I don't know. I'll give you $10. You can find that. If anybody find it, you won't be able to because it doesn't exist. They don't give a shit about conditions, pre-existing conditions. Nobody. They don't care. They want you. They, please. All of the sudden. But, but the thing that it baffles me how the morons who follow them and vote for them they accept it. If this were Democrats, imagine, really, if this were Democrats. It wouldn't happen, of course. But the um, just, do you think you would be that, that fooled and that stupid to listen to this shit and believe like, oh, yeah, 
they're going to protect my pre-existing condition. When you, these these Republicans have, they've never lifted a finger to protect your condition, pre-existing or otherwise. They couldn't give a shit. 35,000 Americans continue to needlessly die every year. What do they care? Pre-exit? I mean, this is what gets me crazy. Conditions. I'm committed to protecting people with pre-existing conditions. I do protect uh, folks with pre-existing conditions. That is just absurd to think that I wouldn't do that. In Wisconsin, pre-existing conditions are covered. And as long as I'm governor, they always will be. Republicans will always protect Americans with pre-existing conditions. You will? Because the, the, the clowns, the Republic clowns, they realize they like this part. Like children, I, li- I, want to, I want to eat ice cream for breakfast. I like this. But I don't like that mandate that made Obamacare function because it was the Republican health care plan. But they want to they pick and choose what they like because that's what children do. Children don't want all, any of the responsibilities, just the benefits. Yeah, what's this? We're actually standing here in Lebanon, which is one of the reddest districts in the state. But the voters we spoke to said they didn't realize health care was this big of an issue until something happened to them. What do you think? What a surprise. I never realized that health care matters until I needed it. I hate them. This is another example. They're unpatriotic. I'm I'm just playing this video that I can't. It says that I labeled GOP voters see the light on pre-existing conditions. She has a 14-year-old daughter who was diagnosed with cancer seven years ago. And ever since then, she's been fighting to make sure that her daughter is protected because she does have a pre-existing condition. So she... Can you believe this? I know I say that a lot, but I can't help it. Because what else are you going to say? Can you believe this shit? This is a clip. I'm looking at the date. It was from 2018. All of her friends together, and they're pounding the pavement, and this is the first time they've become politically active this midterm year. So see what they had to say about health care and why it's so important to them. Just from a show of hands, how many of you would say health care is one of the most important issues to you in this election? All of you. And this is when the corporate media has to check in with the Republicans. I don't know why. Why don't they check in with normal people and keep the Republicans where they are comfortable in the history in history's trash pile? They don't need a platform. They don't need to have their stupidity amplified. This doesn't bring anything to the table, but okay. My daughter was diagnosed with melanoma at seven. One year after the ACA. Sorry. No, don't. And it was life-changing what the ACA did for us. Every single thing in my life right now is fighting to make sure that she keeps insurance. Because and not only will oh, it Oh, that's affect her- wonderful, isn't it? You have a child who's sick, and this is what you got to do. Because Republicans want... This is what they want for your life. They want you 
to be fighting with the insurance company on the phone. They they forget focusing on getting your child better and healthy. Forget that. You add on to the stress of illness. Add financial stress on top of it. Who the hell wants to waste another minute of their life, of their limited lifespan, especially sick, fighting, fighting with a bunch of greed-centered ghouls who are sucking on your miseries. That's what it is. I, re- I told you the story when I was sick, when I got the flu last year, and then they denied when I got the, I, I had a relapse of the flu. Two weeks after I had the flu, and then I, had a, I woke up again in the middle of the night with a fever. And they wouldn't pay for the viral viral medicine or whatever. Because I had just had it. Why do I need it again? I don't know. I have 104 fever again, you son of a bitch. And the doctor prescribed it. But there goes the Republican-enabled insurance racket standing in the way between me and my doctor. And I had to pay for it out of pocket. That's how they make money, denying care. But who the hell? Who, who, who? Who wants to fight with insurance racketeers? And and I got on the phone with a 104 fever, specifically to scream at whoever was on the other end of the line, even though I, I was halfway delirious with fever. I'm sure you've, had a fever in your life and it's it sucks but that's what you want to do right when you have 104 fever you want to be on hold we'll be right with you your message is very important to us please remain on the line and we will get to you in a minute after we deny somebody else health care We'll be uh, we'll be picking up your call and den- we'll be denying you as well. That's what you want to do, anyway. Hospitals. Let's see where are we on this? This is Public Citizen's article about how the for-profit healthcare racket worsened the pandemic. Just to sum it up, thousands of deaths would have been avoided if Medicare for All had been in place prior to the COVID-19 crisis, highlighting the need to enact policy before the next pandemic hits. Under such a system, hospitals, particularly rural hospitals, would receive the funds they need to stay open via yearly budgets instead of relying on admission rates and, and elective procedures. Providers would bet be would better be able to coordinate patient care. No American would have to skip a doctor visit because of cost or lack of insurance, and people of color would no longer face disproportionately high rates of uninsurance, reducing an important contributor to racial disparities in access to health care. And also move this country forward just a little bit to becoming more unified. We're always going on about how how we're so divided. Well, stop dividing us. Let's have some policies that say we are 
each other's keepers, that we are in this together. We need to prepare, we need to be prepared for the next pandemic and we can't be under the current for-profit system. The time has come for a healthcare system that guarantees healthcare for everyone in the United States. The time has come for Medicare for all. <laughs> yep. The time has come, but it's, you know, it's been here for a while. The time has come. Where is it? Healthcare, it will affect her financial security for the rest of her life. Heather, on, from a Republican standpoint, how do you feel about affordable health care? I think it's a necessity. I think that there are things that need to be changed about it. How many of you were politically active before this midterm year? None of you? No. Nope. So this is the first time you became politically involved? Yes. Mm -hmm. Stephanie, we spoke to Ella yesterday, and she said, look, while most 14-year-old girls are worried about their prom date or their geometry test, I have to worry about having a pre-existing condition. And to show you just how important health care is on the battle, 50% of Democratic ads across the country have featured health care in some form, and that goes for also those Democrats who are running at the top of the ticket here in Ohio. Whatever. But as you, as you know, Republicans only see the light when something affects them directly. Oh, I, I am all for pre-existing conditions protections because my daughter has a pre-existing condition. And, you know, your daughter, your son, oh well, your health, your problem. God. It's unreal. Oh my God. Okay, one last thing. I'm looking at the time. I know. I was, uh, we're only going to do like a two hour show. But I thought it was a good, pretty good two hours. But I wanted to play something. I was watching, as I was talking to Tom Harmon, <laughs> watching Joe Scarborough or Morning Joe or whatever. And I, something interesting happened today. They were talking about Biden's infrastructure plan. And um, you know that Kristen Cinema. Oh, wait, wait, who else? You know, I maybe I shouldn't do this one, but let, let me just wrap it up quickly because I wanted to just play the Tucker Carlson thing too. But so, but here's the bottom line. They were, the corporate media mouthpieces were talking about Joe Biden's infrastructure plan. And then um, this fascinating thing happened. And it goes to show you that we will win. And that conservatives are on the wrong side of history, on the wrong side of the American people. But Joe Scarborough went off on the, on the plan the de because... Um, it doesn't tax the rich enough. Okay, let's let's listen. Is by more than two trillion dollars, largely on wealthy people and profitable corporations. But this morning, the New York Times reports that plan quote stopped well short of changes needed to dent the vast fortunes of tycoons like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, or to thoroughly close the most egregious loopholes 
exploited by high-flying captains of finance that aim to go after the merely rich more than the fabulously rich. Instead, the Times reports senior House Democrats opted to be more mindful of moderate concerns in their party than of its progressive ambitions. The focus on traditional ways of raising revenue, raising tax rates on income rather than targeting wealth itself. The time continues. The bill dispenses with measures floated by the White House and Senate Democrats to tax wealth or to close off avenues that the super rich have exploited to pass on a lifetime of gains to their heirs tax free. Democrats caution the proposal is likely to change. This is just out of one committee as it makes its way through Congress. Joe, so the top marginal tax rate is proposed to be raised to 39.6 from 37 percent. But that remember. Under Eisenhower, the top marginal tax rate was 90%. And we don't hear this at all from Willie Geis. I mean, Willie Geis is one of the corporate media mouthpieces that I I also wonder about. Because I'm like, why? Why? Why Willie Geis? And, and same thing with Chuck Todd. Why? You know why? Because they're the Vichy collaborators in the class war against working people, of course. And... He could have explained that. Isn't that part of what, what the corporate media is, I mean, well, what the media is supposed to do? Educate and inform. He's just saying, okay, they're going to raise the tax rate. Do, do the American people understand that that is a pittance? That that's nothing? That they're, they're, it's a drop in the bucket. That in order to have a functioning democratic republic we cannot have an intergenerational aristocracy and that's why people years ago understood the estate tax to be a patriotic tax that prevented the development of an aristocracy as you know, doesn't get at the way the super wealthy and corporations make their money and avoid taxes. Well, and, and, and we see it every year. I, I don't understand what's going on when you have the people writing the tax bill for the Democrats saying they're concerned about moderates concerns. What do they want Jeff Bezos and Amazon to keep paying zero dollars? And is that a moderate concern or right. is that actually a lobbyist's concern? Because over this is what we say all the time on the show. What are you talking about? Moderate. What is moderate about uh, filleting billionaires? I don't understand. What's moderate about letting the rich get away with not paying any goddamn taxes while sticking us all with the bill? <laughs> My cat is going nuts. Past few years. There are corporations that have paid zero taxes in a year. Uh, and, and just over the past couple of years, that includes Amazon, Chevron, Avis, Delta, Eli Lilly, GM, Goodyear, Halliburton, Honey, oh Honeywell, IBM, Netflix, Occidental Petroleum, Owens Corning, Salesforce, U.S. Steel. Last year, Archer Daniels, FedEx, Nike, on wow. and on and on. Are, are moderates really concerned? that those corporations may actually have to pay millions of dollars in tax? Because right now they're paying zero. <laughs> and billionaires are continuing to figure out how to pay little or nothing. Hedge fund titans are paying taxes at lower rates than their clerical employees. And the people who chauffeur their Bentleys, you think that's demagoguery? 
You think that's popular? No, it's not. No, that's the fact. Billionaires' capital, it doesn't get taxed. Workers' wages do. And so now Democrats in Congress are saying, we need to raise the taxes on people who are working, but leave billionaires alone as they continue to amass capital and continue. Listen to me here. Listen to me here. Because everybody hates income redistribution. That makes you a socialist, doesn't it? If you're for a scheme that, that redistributes wealth. Well, let me tell you something. And the world we've lived in over the past 40 years, there's been the largest income redistribution scam in American history. And it's been the middle class that's been looted while trillions keep flowing into the bank accounts of billionaires. Did you hear what I just said? He sounds like me. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> this whole income redistribution thing we keep, oh, you can't raise taxes on people because that will be income redistribution. You're a socialist. Well, guess what? The very people who are saying that, the very people who are funding think tanks that'll say that, the very people that are paying lobbyists to get the message out to say that, the very people who are spending millions and millions of dollars on lawyers and lobbyists on K Street who are saying that, they're the people who have scammed you. They're the people whose monopolies continue to be untouched. They continue to be untouched all because they can buy the best lobbyists, they can buy the best lawyers, they can buy the best influencers on Capitol Hill, across Washington, D.C., and across Wall Street. Please, please, Democrats, do better than that. Tax capital, take a dent on these, uh, these super wealthy billionaires who keep accumulating, keep amassing fortunes. Because you're just, I mean, when you're taxing income a little bit more, 2% here, 3% here, you're, you're missing the target. If you, if you want to make this country a fairer place, if you want to get us back to where we were before, where there wasn't just such massive, massive divergence between the super wealthy and the rest of Americans, you're going to have to rewrite your tax plan because that one's just lousy. Can you believe that? That's good. That's a good sign. All I have to say is. What the hell? I mean, but then I, I kept thinking, well, aren't you a Republican? Weren't you in Congress as the United States started to, as the income disparity got wider and wider and the upward immobility got wider and wider? Weren't, I mean, that's what you're doing when you're passing all of these tax giveaways to the 1%. I mean, Come on, but okay. You, you're taking no responsibility for the part you played pushing that agenda. But it can't be denied. Now, what, what the problems are that it's not okay. 
that the rich don't pay any taxes, that corporations don't pay any taxes. I mean, people are sick of it. And that the, the thing with the infrastructure bill, let me tell you guys, we know this. Joe Biden, you know, well, Kristen Cinema and uh, Joe Manchin, the, these two uh, greedy grifters with their hands out for themselves. They don't give a shit about the rest of us. You know that West Virginia is ranked 50 in infrastructure? It's the worst. Let me let me let me double check that. West Virginia ranked in That's you. Gesundheit. Let's see. West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Number f- I was right. I was right. See, a lot of times numbers are flying around my head. And sometimes I think, is that can't be true. But yes, it is. West Virginia is ranked number 50 in infrastructure. They're at the very effing bottom. And he, and Joe Manchin's like, it's too much. One point, whatever, whatever it is, three trillion. They're ta- it's three tri- trillion over, over years. It's not even one year. And it's an investment, but what, what's your problem? What's the problem? What's Joe Manchin's problem? His problem is that it's not, it doesn't please his billionaire benefactors, his billionaire masters. And they sent him to Washington to ensure that, well, what Joe Biden says, that nothing is going to fundamentally change. They like it the way it is. They want they want to throw a couple of bones at the sh- dumbasses so they don't rise up and overthrow the system. F, uh, you know, hook, um, hook, line, and sinker. Hey, watch it, buddy. So, but they they like it. They like the income disparity and upward immobility. They like paying you pittance and not having no benefits, no security. They like treating you like a borrowed mule while they accumulate all all the profits that your labor makes possible. They like that. But it's fascinating. I and I agree with whole I agree wholeheartedly with what Joe Scarborough said. I'm glad he said it. Cause he certainly has a larger platform than this show but you know we didn't get here by accident we got here because of conservative policies but it's okay because he's he can rail against the democrats in that in in that bit that he did but it wasn't just the democrats i mean hello the it was both reaganomics clintonomics Enough is enough. Damage done. And uh, and before we go, let's just remind everybody like what I what I say all the time. Why we need to keep the liberal media going and growing, and um, how we will win because they have to pretend they're us. We know that. That, I mean, that's really, that speaks volumes. They have to pretend they give a shit about your pre-existing conditions, protections. You know, they have to pretend that they give a shit about democracy or 
Everything is under the guise of the common, the general welfare, but they're full of it. But, and we know that Tucker Carlson, and like we were saying in the beginning of the show, talking about Ben Shapiro, Tommy Lauren, Candace, all of these horrible people, um, the, the most horrible of them all, of course, is Tucker Carlson. He is definitely, he is a Joseph Goebbels of the right, of course, and he will go down in history as such. History will, you mark my words, history will revile <laughs> Tucker Carlson even more than the normal people of America do now. And he's, he's disgusting. He's a disgusting, America-hating propagandist. I don't know how the... Uh, he doesn't need to do this. That's the other thing. He's, he's a trust fund asshole. He could sit on his padded ass, his white padded ass, all day. And you don't have to be... Um, you don't have to be uh, an asshole. Not just, I mean, calling him an, an asshole is... Hey... That's not nice. He's biting my hand because he wants me to pet. If I don't pet him, he bites me. Great. This is an abusive relationship at this point. But, so, what was I saying? Tucker Carlson, um, he will be reviled by history, trust me, even more than the normal people of, of America revile him now. And he's he is a horrible person who can't, he obviously can't stand this country because it, it it baffles me. You have everything handed to you and this is what you do with your freedom because he's free. He never had to work in his life. He admitted it. He's had everything handed to him and he turns around and uses his privilege and his power and his platform to kill people, to divide Americans to to sow ignorance and authoritarianism into the country, into the body politic. Uh, he is the one of the domestic enemies the founders warned us about. But every now and then, a Republican tells the truth by accident, and that's this is what happened here. Tucker Carlson is speaking when with... When you have to cover some idiotic thing that's still... This is... What's his name? Rubin Report? He's talking to another right-winger on the, Ru the Rubin Report. ...said, or Cuomo... Just these, these clown people, when you have to cover it, right? Or clown Don Lamont, as you call him. Like, what... How do you think they live with themselves Ew. at this point? When Look they just him. lie again and again, and we have the internet to expose lie. the lies. What lie? What lie? Point it out. This isn't 20 years ago when you were on CNN yeah. and, we, and we couldn't expose things. We can expose it now and they still do it. Well, it's, I guess I would ask myself, like, I mean, I lie. If I'm really cornered or something, I lie. I really try not to. Oh, you see, he caught himself. I lie. He's trying to be, you know, honest by telling everybody he lies. I, I mean, I try not to. No, you don't. You don't try not to. You don't try. Lying is your baseline, and then you go down from there. Oh, uh, look at him. I just looked. I just saw what he had behind him, the paper. 
Oh, I hate him even more. Do you see the headline he has? Framed Roosevelt dead. <laughs> wow. And that sums it all up. They hate America. They hate the New Deal. They hate Social Security. This is this trust fund brat who got rich murdering chickens and turning chicken corpses into shit that's going to kill, um, turn Americans, well, humans into corpses, high sodium crap that will send you to an early grave, that's for sure. Um, he, he wants to, instead of just sitting around and counting his money or going on a golf course or doing something that, you know, isn't harmful to your country and community, He's, he, he, he wants to make everybody else's life more um, challenging, brutal, and short. Roosevelt dead. Does, does that mean the New Deal's dead? You don't like that, right? You don't like when Granny doesn't have to eat cat food. Because that was the way it was before the New Deal. That's where that comes from. It's, it's not an apocryphal tale. It's the truth. It happened. The number one cause of death before socialist security for, for the elderly wasn't old age. It was hypothermia in the winter and malnutrition all year long. Fucking bastards. I hate them. That's what they want. That's the world they want. They want us. They want us nice and desperate because i mean because this is what happened in uh that's why we need socialist security and medicare because you know people get old one day at a time and i love when these these republicans are like oh you should save put it in your 401k that's why they made the 401k. That's another scam that they <clears throat> that they inflicted on the American people. It is to make the to to get the American people into the stock market. So it's part of the plan to destroy socialist security. Turning the American people into oh look um financial everybody's going to we got to study the stock market too besides being everything else that you must be. In the United States, you got to be a doctor, you got to be a financial advisor, you got to be, you got to do it all. You can't just do your one job, you got to do every other job. But that was all part of turning a guaranteed retirement, you know, where you didn't have to worry. And even you could pass your, your pension on to your spouse if you passed away. So they wouldn't be... Um, homeless but they had to take that in from a guaranteed pension that would pay out every month until you effing crossed over to to the mansion that was waiting for you uh, they took that and turned it into uh, a another gambling uh, where 
the first 401k generation is retiring now and it's not pretty. People don't have enough. That's it. And then they go back, they have to come to the government to backstop it. But, you know, they, the Republicans knew this. It's all part of what they do to destroy America. I try never to lie on TV. I try, I just don't, you know, I don't like lying. I certainly do it, you know, out of... I don't like it, but I do it. You do it all the time. You're a, you're a propagandist. You're a fascist. You're an, a, a dictator-envying con man, like your standard bearer. Or whatever. But to systematically lie like that mm -hmm. without... Asking wow. yourself, like, why am I doing this? So if, if these people ask themselves, why am I doing this? You say, wow. well, because I want to protect the system. Because what, see, this is the other thing about them. I always, I asked him, what, to what end? You see, this is what he's trying to uh, war game out. Well, they, what are they doing? They're trying to protect the system. Is that it? That's the, what system? You know? But to what end? Because if, for example, if George Soros gets his way, his taxes go up. His businesses are, are highly regulated. You know, and his workers get a fair share of the profits that their labor makes possible. So to what end? What's the, what's the madness? You know, what's the end game for the Democrat? Oh, it's to protect the system. I see. Whatever that means. Really believe in the system. Okay, who's running the system? You're you're lying to defend Jeff Bezos? Who the fuck? I mean, you see what he's doing there and the Republicans have been successful at turning as if um, the Democrats are the ones who are uh, the party of the elite, the ones that are funneling money into the pockets of billionaires. No, they're not. I mean, the Democrats are are weak, spineless, mealy mouth. They don't fight. When they tax the rich, they're like, oh, just a little, okay? Can we just? Oh, we don't want to offend you, sir, my my lord, my lord. You're treating you're treating Bill Gates like some sort of moral leader? Like, are you kidding? Like, how dare you do that? How dare you use your power to protect and guard the powerful? Who the fuck is he talking about? That's the other thing. The, the indignance, the outrage, the faux rage. How dare you? What do you Look in the mirror and then bang your head against the wall. Legally Even and peacefully. Clamp to, you know, put your boot on the neck of the weakest piece. Some, That's some what you do, you scum. Kentucky. It's like a parody. Are you kidding? He's a child. Oh, my God. Wow. I share the same air with this asshole. We all do. Kentucky? It's like a parody. Wait, Are what you did kidding? he say? Kentucky? Wait, he said... Clamped, you know, put your boot on the neck of the weakest piece. Some, some Catholic school kid from Kentucky. It's like a parody. Who the fuck? What the fuck are you talking about? 
It's like a parody. Some Catholic school kid from Kentucky? Yeah, we all have our boots on his neck. Because why? We were trying to tax the rich. We're trying to have universal health care. We're trying to pay, ensure that people come out of college without being indentured servants to banks. Oh, yeah. We're trying to save Earth from the likes of you. Trying to save democracy from the likes of you. Some Catholic school kid from Kentucky? We have our boot on his neck? What does that mean? So, oh, because women might... I don't even know what he's saying. Having uh, Somebody might have an abortion? That's us having a boot on his neck? Kidding? He's a child. And you're using your power to... To crush him, to wreck his life, like that. Who's that wrecking what? I... Oh my God! They were—they're the victims. Victims. That's professional victimitis. That's the Republicans. Not the hey, it's not. What was I going to say? It's not them. It is them. You say. There have been many times in the 25 years I've been in TV where I think, you know, are we using this like very substantial power that we have to put pictures on the screen to hurt weak people? And I have done that inadvertently over the years oh. because I got carried away. But I really try not to. And everyone Bullshit. who works on the show. Bullshit. He is so full of shit. They all tell themselves these stories. I try not to. I don't lie. I do it. But I try not to. I'm really trying. Well, you don't need to lie if you're correct. What's your point? If, you're tr if you have to lie, you've lost. If you have to lie, your ideology sucks. I don't have to lie. What am I, you know, tell me. I always, you know, it's fascinating too. Um, sometimes, obviously, you know, as Haiku can tell you as well, we get right wingers in the chat room sometimes, and they'll come in and start posting the N word or whatever. But uh, other times, I'll get a, um, I'll get contacted whatever by by a right winger online. They'll write, or on one of the videos, they'll write this this bitch or C word or whatever, you know, liar. She's a liar. What you, I, I and I always wonder what, where, what lies with your lies. Like they'll say, what lies? They never have an example Two. give me an example. If I said something that isn't true, I'd like to know about it and I will correct it. But there's never an example. You're lying. You, your lies. I'm not listening to your lies. They'll say, what lies? Give me a Give me an example. Show me. Where did I tell a, a an untruth? I don't. If I did, it was an accident. And I will fix it. But they never have an example. But him, I try not to lie. He's lying all the time. We could go in, into random videos of his and go through it and point out the lies. He's a fucking fascist and he's a liar. 
He, and I'm not just saying it, he is. You don't go to a fascist authoritarian dictator country and, uh, and praise the authoritarian dictator that overthrew democracy. That's what he did. That's what this piece of waste, waste of human DNA did. This anti-American, un-American, goddamn trust fund succubus. That's what he, he's just a an energy drain, horrible person. How do you, how do you be? How can you be such a horrible person? You have everything handed to you. You piece of. And you filthy, disgusting, ungrateful, horrible, scum. And I, I really hope that we, uh, that we do survive and we become a more perfect union. So Tucker Carlson is remembered as the, as the stain on America that he is. That's the way he needs to go down in history. Uh, history needs to forget him. But history needs to... Not, I mean, um, it's like this Robert E. Lee and shit. Rewriting history about these assholes. Is very aware of, like, the most basic rule, which is don't piss down. Don't attack people beneath you. If you're going to, you know... Who the hell is attacking people beneath you? Beneath them. They are. You are. And I love the indignance that he's... He's taken the last two minutes to go on and say, I'm a liar. I try. I guess he realized he said, I'm a liar. And then he's like, I mean, I don't, I don't want to lie. I don't, I don't try. I try not to lie. But, um, um, and don't kick down. That's the hard, it's horrible. What's wrong with you kicking down? What are you talking about? Look at yourself. It's projection. That's what it is. Republicans are, they are, it's an epidemic in the Republican community. Always just projecting their manias on everyone else. To make sure it's upward. Someone who's richer, stronger, more powerful, in charge of more things than you are. Punch up. Like, that's just like a life rule. And people who punch down are... This is the same prick who's going for your socialist security and your socialist Medicare. The same piece of wasted human DNA that loves that... 35,000 Americans needlessly die every year without health care. Oh, I hate him. And he's lecturing us about kicking up. Don't kick up. Don't, I mean, don't kick down. Kick up. Or punch down. Or he said piss down because, you know, he's a dude. He's very manly. He's not PC at all. And he wants you to know, you know, he's pissing down. You know, he's just one of the boys pissing down, you know. Hey, don't piss down. Don't piss on me and tell me it's raining. I'm just a guy I, uh, drinking your liberal tears and all. Are the worst. They should have no power 
whatsoever. In my You're the worst. And the irony is they're punching down while pretending they're Who's doing the opposite. Punching down. Give us an example. Look at him. What did you smell your own fart? That's what he looks like. Ooh. Oh my god. Give us an example. It's another thing that makes me go nuts, and you know it. They they just like throw it out there. Give us an example. It doesn't take it it won't even take 30 seconds to give us an example but they don't because they have none the which is the the grossest part all right oh the grossest all right guys 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 first of all thank you jim for your super chat thank you richard w for your super chat. Thank you, Shadow Star Ace, for your super chat. Thank you, Side Life, for your super chat. And JD, are always nerve wracking meeting one's heroes. Yes. Richard W., thank you. Another great interview, Tara. Thank you, Richard W. Errol Thomas, why is it so difficult for Republic clowns and their supporters to know that Trump was never a real president? Because they're not real patriots either so i think that that's probably why and thank you jl's a j for your super chat and i i don't know all i can say is we we're in trouble but but we will win Remember to buy Tom Hartman's book, the, His, the Hidden History of American Healthcare. Keep on pushing and keep on pushing for what's right. We will win because where am I? <laughs> where am I? Who am I? We're on the right side of history. You know it. Thank you so much for hanging out tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed the interview and give the show a good review on iTunes. Like and share with your friends. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin to keep the, the real liberal media going and growing. That's what we need. And we will win. You know it. We're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of decency, dignity, and democracy. Thank you so much, guys, for hanging out. And what's today? Wednesday? Tomorrow's Thursday? I don't know. We'll see. I We'll see. I may not. We'll see. I might do a show. It all depends. But, as I say, we will win. My name is Tara Devlin. We stick together. We win. I'll see you very soon.